Hey, I'm Daniel Coburn. And I'm John Rudolph Drexler. This is Talking Business League. Uh, we run a small development agency together. Every week, we have a one-hour call where we discuss the state of our business. This is that call. John, 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 John. I'm pressing my arrow press. And I'm no, I, I'm, I, it I heard like it. I was, I was taking a tinkle during the podcast. <laughs> I did hear the 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 sort of uh, splish splash sounds of an arrow press. Well, you know, uh, you can't win them all. Oh, oh, oh hey, hey. <laughs> that's a double bingo. <laughs> Oh, well, we Mr. made Drexler. it. We made it. Uh, it's uh, it's almost uh, all Hallows Ween. Mm-hmm. What is uh, Dre- yeah? What are you 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 dressing up? No, I like the way you're dressed up right now. Um, it's got kind of like a, like a brutish bad guy in an '80s movie energy. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. yeah. So what had happened was I <laughs> went to. I was at my, uh, I was in my hometown uh-huh. and I went to, uh, my old high school and I watched the high school football game. Mm-hmm. And when I went in there, I was like, I don't have any gear. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't have any merch. Uh, and so they, everything in there was like corny and terrible, but they had this one sweatshirt, uh, that had this kind of eighties. It looked like it was from the eighties. Yeah. It just says Chargers, huge, and it's got like a school crest on it. Uh, you know that and- shot that's in like a bunch of unserious '80s movies where they, where the bully like punches at the camera. Oh yeah, 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 and it looks you know kind of slow because they're trying yeah. to make sure to not hurt the camera. <laughs> <laughs> right, you're wearing the whole garb of a guy who would punch the camera. You know, there was a whole phase where I in high school where I had. Uh, I had a real like kind of swooping blonde hair and kind of some bangs. Yeah, there was and a college it, moment for that as well. If I ever had like a sweatband on or something like that, everyone would say, wow, you look like Johnny from Karate Kid. Um, yeah, exactly. And, yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I just watched Karate Kid with Lindsay. She hadn't seen it. Um, this is a this is a hot take that I guess this p- applies probably to a lot of 80s and 90s movies, but it's a, it's a hot take time machine. Is that <laughs> yeah? Is that um <clears throat> the the movie was made so that you kind of think of Daniel, the main character, not you. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> you think of him as the uh, the you know the kid who was bullied, who mm-hmm. you know sort of like rags to riches kind of situation. Um, but he really he's kind of a pest. Uh, he really was barely bullied. Uh, he's kind of mean to his girlfriend. <laughs> he's like, <laughs> he's like not that nice to this like wonderful Japanese man <laughs> who's giving him free martial arts lessons. <laughs> and he wins at the end and faces no consequences for what kind of a nasty kid he is. <laughs> uh, you know, I watched um, Rocky one and two the other night while I oh, yeah. was on a marathon verbs programming session. You watched the movies while you were programming. Uh huh. Rocky one and two. Yeah. The first one, and then immediately followed by the second one. That's great. <laughs> I watched it? it on YouTube movies where they were both free. Um, oh, great. 
And as the first one ended, it immediately started playing the second one, which <laughs> starts play for entire movies, <laughs> <laughs> which which starts at the exact moment of the end of the first one. I don't know if you've ever watched them back to back. That same thing happens with Karate Kid Two. Karate Kid <laughs> Two begins at the end of the tournament from the first one. Yeah, yeah. So it was weird because like I was like, wait, am I rewatching the same scene I just watched? And then I was like, funny. oh, you're watching a new movie. Cool. Well, yeah, I just re I just rewatched Rocky, and I really enjoyed it. Uh, one thing I didn't appreciate about it, which maybe you already knew this, but, um, that Stallone was like trying to make it as an actor and failing. Mm -hmm. And he, I think he wrote and directed Rocky. There's a lot of bad dialogue in that movie. Yeah. Oh, it's like, it's super corny and bad, but like, it's pretty enjoyable, but it's like, I, it's I so funny that this, I never this goofball was just like they were like you can't play a leading man you're like a big weird oaf and he was like yeah but what if I wrote and directed a movie about a big weird oaf you know that's a great point honestly yeah. that's a guy who's played to his strengths <laughs> right <laughs> um, there are so many weird things in that movie so number one he he's got this bit where he's like hey, yo I know you're wearing a big hat and glasses but I think you might be hot. <laughs> That's a very funny dynamic in that movie, which is like, hey, yo, what if a hot girl wore a big hat? Yeah. <laughs> what a dumbass. <laughs> um, that's funny. And then also the the weird corner doo-wop band who are just like drinking wine whenever he gets mm. out of a fight and he goes by <laughs> and they just like sing. Yeah, it's a good movie. I was like, what the fuck is going on in this movie? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, that's, so, that's so Rocky one. 1 and 2. <laughs> I recommend them, but only back to back. Yeah, absolutely. Are you awake, um, what's the uh what's the little Wayne line where he references Apollo Creed? Is that a is that a safe for work line? I might be I mean, we might be dripping slipping into Unsafe territory. Uh, there, he definitely mentions um, Ivan Drago. Hmm. Um, I feel like Ivan Drago, if he dies, he dies. If he dies, he dies. Um, that's, that's good right. stuff. Um, anyway, Rocky, oh. good stuff. Yeah, it's on. Uh, you're, you're right. I was. I, I do remember the. Uh, uh, I do remember that if he dies, he dies. He that's said, on part uh, five. That's what it was. <clears throat> it says put a MF or on a on a on ice like maple leaves. That's a hockey team. And I ain't about no hockey team, but I'm a champion. Where's the F and Rocky theme? Damn. Rest in peace, Apollo Creed. <laughs> 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 I'm a monster. Every day is Halloween. <laughs> and we're back. Happy All Hallows Eve. Wow, yeah, full circle. Full okay, circle. Cool. Um, but right. yeah, well, so we I, got had that a, out of our I had a big uh, verbs all nighter <laughs> over the weekend. Good. It was um, I did my classic mistake, which is I went to my Friday poker game and I drank a yerba mate while oh, yeah. I was playing cards with the gentleman. Get you uh, so then I get home at, at you know nigh on one thirty in the morning, and uh, I'm just raring to go. And I was like, well, you know, I've got to write a talk <laughs> for yeah. Australia in three weeks. So I sat down and like made all of my non-technical slides and uh, worked on the documentation for verbs, which is the code examples for my talk. Um, it's so it's double duty. Anytime I'm like making 
example tests pass in verbs, I'm also making code examples for my talk, which is great. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I had a big night of verbs and watched two Rocky movies back to back. Terrific. I love it. Um, How are you? I was in Chatt- Chattanooga. Uh, I did a week of introducing Lindsay to my family, mm. uh, which was, you Showing know, my around. family. Does she yeah. like to be shown around? Oh yeah, it's great. <laughs> we, <laughs> uh, yeah, she's very accommodating. Uh, she asks for so little. Um, she's a very kind and warm person, and <sighs> you know my family. I mean, for anyone who doesn't know my family, uh, my mom was the youngest of eight in this very large eccentric family, and all of those eight had a bunch of kids, and all of them had a bunch of kids. So under my grandma, there's a hundred. 50 something of us um crazy and i'm still actually friends with like a lot of a surprising number of them certainly not all of them not even really half was 150 possible including spouses including spice yeah (laughs) uh so you know but like my mom is the youngest of eight like one of those one of her siblings had seven kids you know Uh and then so in my generation, there's 35 cousins, almost all of them married. I don't know if that's right, 30-something. And then anyway, I'm still friends with a lot of them. Lindsay met all of them. Not all of them. She met a lot of them, though. Uh, my mom had a retirement party. She was a she was an administrator slash teacher at the high school that I went to. So then at that retirement party, there was a bunch of teachers from my high school, which was very surreal so i was introducing Lindsay also to a, a bunch of my high school teachers which is <laughs> not something i planned on. Uh, uh, but it was great it was great i will say it made me very happy a lot of people said hey the last time we saw you you were quitting your job to go start a business how's it going and to all of them i was like honestly very well like <laughs> two thumbs way up I don't making know money you. and having fun and it's like no notes having a great time. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, I do feel like we're really like firing on all cylinders right now. Yeah. Which, you know, it took us a little time to like ramp up to this, but like it feels really good right now. Yeah. And like the funny thing is these, some of these clients, I mean, in the long term, all these clients will go away, but like some of them will also go away in the short to medium run. Uh-huh. Um, and like, we'll have to do it all over in January. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but I'm, it, we'll be doing it with a, bank account that's right that can fund us yeah if we so, don't land something immediately it's, it's last really time we exciting. did it it was like oh we could pay we could we could pay everyone for a month maybe there, let's just put it this way there was a payroll we didn't send out because of like we were like mm, let's wait a couple weeks on that payroll <laughs> <laughs> yeah like we could have done it it turns out that like if we had done it it would have been fine but it was like yeah. i would prefer to just see the number in our bank account rather let's than not, let's not let's not take the bank account to zero dollars <laughs> yeah. yeah um but that's cool yeah yeah but yeah uh, it's, we're firing dude it's all going great yeah um and uh i feel really good about that that's how i'm doing um we're, I don't we're each, I have anything else to add we each kind of have our own I, I don't know if we've talked about this on the show yet but like we each kind of have projects we're in charge of yeah um which i really like and like Um, i'm writing code on one of your projects which has a good pm already uh and you're leading it and so now i'm like 
like I will sometimes in my head like have a question and just like not even ask it because I'm like, yeah. you know what? This is not my concern. I don't <laughs> like what separ- separation to... of concerns. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're doing a separation of concerns. So I'm just like, <laughs> I'm like in full engineer mode where I'm like, hey, Daniel, you ping me if you have a well-written ticket or if you would like to pair. Yes. And if neither of those things is true, don't ping me. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then you've got like, you've got this one project that like begs is working on. Um, great. That is like, uh, we've got a designer who's someone we know who's doing designs on it. We've got someone doing branding on it. We've got begs doing uh, dev on it and you're doing PM and yeah. managing everything on it. We have good people. And I have no clue what's going on with that project, except that every once in a while I look in the channel and it's like, yeah, it seems like it's going well. There's communication yeah. going on between the client and John. And so anyway, that's dope that you're just like fully managing that project. Yeah, I feel really fine. Uh, and the cool thing about client work is like, uh, I was saying this to somebody the other day. I was like, you know, because they were like, "You're oh, you're in this like entrepreneurial time right now. Like, are you working 70 hour weeks? I was like, I'm, I'm actually not. Like, if the thing is, if we were working 70 hour weeks, we'd be billing 70 hour weeks. Mm-hmm. So like, we have the option to go nuts, but like, we'd also get paid a lot more if yeah, we were yeah, doing yeah. that too. So like, that's a, I don't know. I was, ex- I was standing there explaining this to, I was talking to, I bumped into at my, again, at my mom's retirement party, uh, uh, e- economics professor, uh, Dr. Brian Fickert, <laughs> who, was, who was very influential over, you know, how I think about things. And uh, he's he's also a like six, nine or something. He's a giant man. Just a giant. Standing there, yeah. Talking to him and his wife. And <laughs> to, he was all Mary Poppins. He's a giant in the world of finance. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, he was thrilled that we're doing something entrepreneurial. He was like really very excited for us. Um, and awesome. he was asking questions about the business. And I was like, man, it's just so I say that I've said this on this podcast like four times already, but I'm really am like still stunned by this. I'm like, it's just so simple. It's just such a pure business. It's like the the normal tech thing of like raise a ton of money, you know, be unprofitable and hire a bunch of dinglings and uh go like run mom and pop shops out of business and be like disruptive, move fast and break things. And then one day become profitable and make everyone mad because they realize your product is way more expensive than they thought it was. Like it's baloney. It's total baloney. And like the thing that we're doing, which is just like, we have skills and we are going to charge you a lot of money for those skills. And then you're going to get something very valuable for that. And then we're going to take the profits home. Yeah. <laughs> like great. if we if we decide to work more, we'll get paid more. If we decide to work less, we'll get paid less. And it's yeah. just like I I'm just like glowing about how yeah. simple and anyway, he was like laughing about that. He was like, Yeah, it sounds like uh, you know, like econ one oh one instead of like some like made up futuristic econ. Magnus Carlson is the uh the big chess guy. Yeah, like he's the current he still refers to himself as the world champion, even though he's decided he's not going to play the world championships anymore. Hmm. But no one beat him at a world championship ever. So, <laughs> you know, hard to say. Um, there's not a lot of rules around the title. Um, but anyway, he's definitely like the best chess player. Um, 
and uh, he's always talking about pure chess um, and this concept of like when you when you get to a point where you're playing a game that no one has memorized um, mm -hmm. and no one has done like computer preparation on this game, right? Like you get past the first like 20 moves where you spent the last three months with a team and a bunch of solvers and stuff just like analyzing lines and you get to the point where like now you have to think on your feet in between moves and like make decisions and stuff. Yeah. Um, he calls that like pure chess. And he's I've heard people like, refer to that as like being off book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, or there's this guy named um, Adagmator who's like a, somewhere in the Eastern Bloc. I don't know if he's Ukrainian or Romanian or something, but he uh, actually he might be like Slovenian. I'm not sure, but anyway, he um, he's like a he does like chess game breakdowns. Hmm. Like when a game happens, he'll do like review of it and he'll talk through it. And anytime, like when the first move happens that has never happened before in a game of chess, he'll say, and here it is on move 25, we have a brand new game. Mm, <laughs> uh, nice. Which I, I, I really like when he says that. Um, but anyway, uh, he's always talking about like, I want to get to pure chess as quickly as possible. So he'll do things that are like mm. non-optimal. Oh, because he's like, he's better at navigating that space than other people are. Yeah, he's like, my yeah. my advantage is to like, get out of the realm of study and memorization and get into pure chess because I'm That's better cool. at pure chess. Yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, I was just going to say, this is like, I feel like agency work is like pure business. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. It's, it's like if you remove, if you strip away all of the other bullshit, it's just like, well, what is it's it? Like, it's like, business well, I spend from pure, a certain amount of principles. money and I charge a certain amount of money and <laughs> yeah. what's left over is profit. Yeah. 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 I agree. And it's like, I'm thrilled about it. Um, yeah. So sorry, we've, I've been going along on how am I doing? Great. I'm doing great. Uh, how uh, are you doing? Uh, I'm doing great. Uh, yeah, we, I, I feel like I already got into it. I talked about my weekend and yeah, yeah. verbs and stuff. Um, I've been pairing with Josh Hanley on this client project. That is a lot of good live wire code. That's been very fun. Um, we made a decision to, I'm going to pair with Jacob more on, uh, your store. Yeah. So I'm basically going to be splitting my time pretty evenly between like BW fusion and your store and then bringing Jacob. Oh, I don't know if I could say the name of that. Damn it. Uh, you're gonna have to do some post-production. I'm gonna have to do some post-production and then I'm going to be, uh, then I'm going to, oh, this, this podcast is going to take two weeks to come out now. Oh uh, no. And then Jacob's also going to come along with me to pair on the project with Josh. And that'll be good because Jacob's going to get exposure to all this kind of like cool new Livewire 3 code written the way Josh writes Livewire 3 code. And like we've been like thinking and dreaming a lot about like architectures and stuff over there. So that's very cool. Yeah. And then I'm so basically we had the, like we had a we had a situation where like Jacob was writing most of the code on one client. Yes. And was kind of on an island where you wished you could pair more with him, but we didn't mm -hmm. have, there weren't enough hours to give to them. And then mm -hmm. meanwhile, you were off doing like very cool, interesting philosophical work with Josh. And I was like, man, I wish I could give everyone exposure to this work. Cause I feel like it'll like level the whole team up the yeah, stuff we're doing over here. So basically it's like, we're splitting those. So that now you'll be spending more time helping Jacob over and Jacob will be spending client. more time working with me and Josh. Yeah. So 
I think that's a smart idea and it just is going to like, it's going to mean more pairing, more sort of like cross pollination of ideas. And yep. yeah, it's good. Very good. Very good. Um, yeah. My, uh, only like feedback thing, which was not really, Oh, actually, I guess there are two like kind of feedback things and neither of them is like a, uh, I don't know. It's funny. The more we get into feedback stuff, the thing that I realize a lot of times when I'm like in a rhythm with feedback is that like very rarely do I have something that's like, oh, hey, Daniel, you did something that was like hurtful or wrong. And I'd like to try to correct it. Well, like, if that's I, was, never do- what it if I was doing things that were hurtful on a regular basis, we <laughs> yeah, probably wouldn't right. run a business. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, so usually what it is, is just like it's more like observations about like ways that we can be smarter. Uh, so uh, there were two things. One of them was like really kind of more of a thing for myself, which was when we pair, I have realized, I don't know if this is like, if other people relate to this or if this is just my learning style, but just watching you write code. Cause like, you're obviously a way better developer than me. You already like know what we're doing. And so like, mm-hmm. you can kind of just like plow through me. Yeah, like, and I'm also like, when I'm solving a hard, hard problem, I can actually sometimes stop talking accidentally mm-hmm. and then just like do a couple of things in quick succession and then have to like stop and pause and explain what just happened. Yeah. And, and so I, I'll put this more on me than you, but like, I don't, I will sort of like tune out after a while if I'm like in the passenger seat for too long. And also... It's just, I just don't comprehend as much. Like I don't mm-hmm. internalize it really. Um, so my, my note to self and note to us during pairing is like, sometimes you throw it over to me and you're like, why don't you drive? And I'll like comment on what you're doing, but you're going to write all the code. Yeah. Um, I learn like four times as much when we do that. Yep. So uh, I want to do that as much as possible. Yeah, I think good pairing hygiene is basically to switch as much as possible, right? Like I think in an ideal world, like you want to go like less than an hour as the driver and then have Mm -hmm. someone else go for an hour. It just extends how long you can pair for. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I think being the performer for too long is really, really mentally draining. And then also like trying to pay attention to what someone else is doing while it's happening passively in front of you is also really draining in a different way. Mm-hmm. But if you bounce back and forth, it's easier to stay engaged for longer and yeah. easier to stay like productive for longer. So like when I get tired of performing, it's easy for me to like switch into like, all right, now I'm going to be doing all of the sort of co-pilot work, you know? Yeah. And like, there is like a bunch of, this is probably something we, we did a bunch of this at, Titan when I was there, but like, there's a bunch of, um, there's a bunch of thought leadership on like best practices for pairing that exists. Um, including like, what is the role of the second person, you know, like Mm. the one who's not actually typing in the moment. Um, and a big part of that is like anticipating. So like Josh is actually very good at this. I've been pairing with Josh quite a lot, anticipating, what what's going to be needed next so like josh will 
have the link to the docs that I'm looking for already copied. Wow. And he'll just paste it into my thing. And it'll like, because of how Tuple works, when you paste a link, it like opens up the browser. So I'll be like, all right, uh, then we need to add validation to this. And then the validation rules thing will just like pop up in front of me. Wow, and I'm like, oh that's my cool. God, Josh, you're very good. Yeah. So like there is some like uh, being like a really good pair passenger is like a skill set as well that like mm. I think we could work on like finding what works for each other as far as like. Hey, like as a pair, how can I be most useful as a pair passenger? Because I do tend to be a little grabby as a pair passenger where I'll be like, give me your mouse, you know? But I think that like, it's actually better for me to not do that. And so I need to find ways to be effective as a non-driver. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting too. Like I could get a lot better at that too. It's interesting for me because I sometimes feel like, I think my brain moves a little bit slower than yours. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so like, and also I like, I type kind of slowly too. Mm -hmm. So like, I will be like halfway through a line and like thinking it through and you'll sort of like complete my sentence. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm like, in my head, this might just be like an ego thing, but like a little part of me in my head is like, I know I was getting there. I was getting there. Just like, let me me get there, you know? Yeah, Um, I should probably back off in those moments as well. um, Um, It's hard for me to know when you are confused and when you are just thinking you know yeah i am like i i think a little bit slowly it's kind of funny and sometimes that results in also me talking really slowly or typing slowly um but uh yeah so i I don't say that i didn't say that as like a a big like problem just like yeah yeah, yeah. i think we'll continue to feel out the dynamic there well and i think we're going to be pairing like our company is shifting to more and more pairing right Mm -hmm. like we're like becoming a more pairing heavy organization which Um, is great so yeah i'm going but i think that there are right now it i it is like there's going to be like pairing best practices that we either take from outside sources or that we discover on our own and stuff and i think it might be worth like writing some stuff down maybe we end yeah. up with some blog posts about like pairing hygiene and stuff like that i like but, that i like that a lot yeah we're i mean we're going to be pairing for the rest of the year basically so yeah so uh i'm into it my other uh my other little feedback is just like uh like ask for help early mm-hmm. when you need it. Uh, last week, there was like a one moment in time where you got like pretty overwhelmed. Well, I got freaked um, out on Tuesday. Yeah, I remember yeah. that. And you called me and I was like, yes, this all sounds very stressful, but we do have each of these problems has a solution. Yeah. Um, and if one of them doesn't have a solution in the very worst case, like we can call the client and be like, hey, we got to push a thing back. We didn't end up having to do that, but it's like, yeah. Even in the like doomsday scenario, like we find our most accommodating client and tell them that something is like going to get pushed back, you know? Yeah. Uh, so I was like, I I also felt like weird because there was like, we different weeks we have imbalances, you know? Yeah, yeah. And like last week we had an imbalance. Like I was home, I was working, I got all my stuff done, but I was chilling, you know? Yeah. And you were like, on Tuesday, you were like in hell. Yeah. And then we got on the phone and you were like, I'm in hell. There's yeah. like five things going wrong. And I was like, oh, shoot. Sorry. I didn't even know. Uh, like, 
how can I help take one of these things off your plate? Yeah. You know? And uh, all but, you all you really did was say like, well, you know, I'm going to have a check-in with that client later. And like, I don't think it's a big deal if this doesn't get done today. Yeah. And that was all it took to like, that was the like slide puzzle piece that like unlocked everything else. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but like, um, but yeah, so I, I felt bad. I was like, so I sent you a message afterwards. It was just like, Hey, I hope that like, you don't have to get into that state again. Like, and if you feel, if you feel the demon dogs, like nipping at your heels, just like, let's just get on the phone and figure it out. Yeah. 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 I mean, I also like will get into that state again because like, that's just something that happens to me sometimes is that like all of a sudden, like the weight of the world will appear out of nowhere. I'm like, Oh my God, there's a million things to do. Um, and I'll briefly freak out and then like, it'll, it'll subside as soon as like, actually very similar to this thing. As soon as one problem gets solved, usually it subsides. Yeah. You know, now there's only 98 problems. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Um, so yeah, it, it was good. Uh, I liked the way it went. Um, but yeah, good feedback. Feedback for you. I have, uh, let's see. Let me think. Let me think. Um, yeah, I've liked everything we're doing. I like that you called out the thing about pairing. Um, I think more good pairing in our future is going to be huge. Uh, I think you've not had as many engineering tickets lately, right? Just because like there's so many PM clients and you're doing so much PM. Um, so I'm trying to plan for like maximizing your your engineering time and being like, okay, how can this be the most, not only like productive for the clients, but like the most like grow John as a developer productive that these hours can be you know? And so I think pairing is probably that where it's like, like I'm more productive when I'm pairing. Everyone's more productive when they're pairing. Uh, I always think that pairing is better than two developers working two separate hours. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. I guess, except for like, you know, if it was like, Hey, we need to write 700 validation rules. Then it's like, Mm -hmm. okay, maybe we should split off and do those onesie twosies. Sure. But pairing to me is like, the way that good code gets written. Um, But yeah, I don't know. I think it is all good. I don't have any uh, downside feedback for you. Cool. Um, Um, Did you have anything else in the way of topics that you wanted to hit? uh, Well, yeah, I guess I do want to talk a little about um, the high trust, low trust thing. Sure. Like I think I think we've been talking a lot a lot with uh Josh about that project. Like we've had we've been having like meta conversations with Josh, which is yeah. fun. Um and like that project is so fun because uh everyone's a, everyone's a killer, you know? Yeah. And like a project where everyone's a killer and there's no like other people who aren't on our team who are touching code or there's no like, right. Like we, we basically get to just like fully unleash thunk at a problem and not have to really worry about stepping on anyone else's toes, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's like all the tickets are for us. As long as we can understand them, they're good. Yeah. Um, so it's been really interesting. We're working in Trello instead of linear in this project. 
Um, the well, tickets. So do you want to let's back up? I don't. Do you want to talk about what this whole like high trust versus low trust thing? Oh yeah, yeah. Sorry, we've just been talking about the situations where like there are some projects that are kind of like high trust environments, um, and there are some projects that are like lower trust environments. And like in a high trust environment, you basically operate as though like everyone is extremely capable and like as good as you are, you know. Um, and then that can lead to less like busy work, I guess. Right. Um, which means like you have to do like less detailed ticket scoping and less like very specific instructions and, uh, less, uh, I don't know. Like we still have like CI and stuff on that project, but like there's less like formality to merging a pull request because everyone's, well, and like uh, also, good. I mean, I really basically think and this really relates to the the thing that I wrote last week <clears throat> about communication. But it's like if you do a little thought of experiment and just say, like, imagine that everyone in your team was like hella talented and had good judgment about priorities. And like, basically, you could trust that, like, everyone knew, like, kind of what mattered and what we're doing here and like could was capable of like making good judgments about like, Oh, I should do this next and I should do it in a smart way that maintains security standards and da 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 da. Right. Like it's just like it in that thought experiment, like what do you really need most product processes for? Mm -hmm. It's it's interesting, like the whole concept of agile and like PMs and estimations and uh, you know burn down charts and all this stuff is all. This is an overstate. I'm going to overstate it to make the point, but like it basically exists to solve communication problems and to solve trust problems, problem. trust problems. But so like you you kind of do all of this rigmarole. All the stuff that developers point to and say, oh, I hated doing these like tedious standups and estimations and, you know, justifying my existence and justifying every single ticket to some manager somewhere. Like all of that stuff exists because of like trust problems and communication problems, which are very right. connected to each other. Yep. Um, and, and like often it's not like in big companies, at least it's not like individual trust problems. Like your manager doesn't trust you. Yeah. It's like product doesn't trust engineering or right. like the, the ceo doesn't trust the ceo or something yeah. or the yeah. C, ceo cto right well and like, micromanagement is a function of mistrust mm -hmm. right like that's a huge one like i've had situations where like we've we, like people around me like bosses that i've had things like that have been like have become micromanaging and it's like oh interesting that person didn't used to micromanage but now they do it's like yes well they used to have someone they trust and now they have someone they don't trust mm -hmm. it's like it's it really all kind of boils down to that and like in the low trust environment people are being micromanaged people are doing processes they dislike the managers are losing sleep because they don't trust that the right stuff is getting done so they're working overtime to just like hover and everyone is unhappy mm -hmm. it's like I really do. This, this is kind of like the thing that explains a lot of what's bad on a lot of development teams. Yeah. 
No, I totally agree. And like we we actually just had like a small biz dev call with someone who like came in through the contact form and uh they sort of said a few things early that made me feel like they might not trust developers inherently, like maybe they'd been burned or something in the past or they'd had bad developer experiences in the past and uh they kind of like asked some questions that were like, you know, like what do you look for in a client? And so because of that, I like quickly leaned into one of my like go-to lines, which is like, if you don't trust us, don't work with us, right? Because we can work in like low trust environments, you know, but like we're going to be less productive. We're going to have less fun. (laughs) Um, Like it's not going to be an enjoyable process if we're having to sort of justify our existence all the time. And there are enough people who do trust us that I'd rather work with those folks, you know? Yeah. And I think over time, like... Yeah. I don't know. I just working on like working on this process with Josh has just been really fun because uh, there's so little ritual. We do have a weekly check-in with the client, right? And on that check-in, I demo things to the client, right? And so basically our weekly cycle is like get everything in by Wednesday so that I can demo it, you know? And however we do that is whatever. And so like Josh and I will pair for two hours, three times a week or something. And uh, in that time, like we'll just like work on whatever we're working on at the beginning. And then like the last 10 minutes we'll spend just like moving some tickets around in Trello and making sure that like no one's blocked by anything and making sure that everything can sort of go smoothly. Um, And like that's basically the extent of our project management process is like 10 minutes at the end of three calls a week yeah you know and it's like so chill so light touch but it's just like well hey like as long as you aren't blocked and you like generally know what the desired outcome is here like i trust all of your steps you're going to take along that road you know yeah yeah well and and this it's this there's so many interesting components of this i mean like one thing is like if you want to there's a temptation, I'm sure, if you're running a business where you could cheap out and hire engineers who you don't trust mm-hmm. that much. And it's like, well, congratulations, you've just like introduced a new world where you're like losing sleep, attempting to babysit people who resent you for trying to babysit them. Right. And like, you're like not quite going to get what you want. And you're going to like... It's interesting. It's like you, you, your life will be so much better if you can like foster a high trust environment with really, really good engineers. It's also interesting from the consulting perspective because I have interviewed a couple of like friends of mine who are very successful consultants. Mm -hmm. Because I was just like, how do you structure this? You know, like how do you do what you need to do? I talked to MJ about. product consulting specifically. I interviewed a friend last week uh, who is like ladder climbing over at McKinsey. And I will, since this is a public forum, I will reserve all of my commentary about the McKinsey Corporation, uh, perhaps for a later date. That'll be on the Patreon. Were you referring to the Central Intelligence Agency? That'll be behind a paywall. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, very good. But I was like, I'm, just, you know, I am curious. I was just like, hey, how do you, you know do they this? invented the barcode? Yeah, I heard they invented the barcode. That's great. Yeah, big stuff uh, over there. Yeah. So, 
Um, so I was just like, Hey, how do you do this? Cause I was talking about this idea that like right now I'm doing straight product consulting with Internachi. And the way that I've tried to structure that is I try to make it so that every week I deliver them something. It doesn't end up happening every week. Some weeks are different than others, but I was sort of like trying to lean into this idea of like, I'm going to give you a work product every week to like prove to you that I'm working. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he kind of like, he was like, yeah, I guess you could do that. He's like, but honestly, like the thing that actually matters is just like, we're just like extremely clear about what we're doing. You know? Yeah. It's just like, oh, well, the project in front of us is like to whatever, in my case, like fix a lot of your product processes and make sure you're super clear on the upcoming projects. And you got, you got to trust me that I'm doing the hours you hired me for. Mm-hmm. But like, if we're going to have a conversation about deliverables, I'm just going to come back to like, well, are your product processes improving? And did you get a really good product, a project scope for this next project? that yeah. you've been dying to do, but don't have a good project scope for. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well then we're all happy. Like, yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, uh, and just kind of like coaching them through in some ways, like, well, here's what I said I was going to do. Uh, and I'm doing it. And, uh, this is my process and I'm in the middle of my process. If you have any questions, I'm happy to talk about them. But like, if you the like, if, if, suddenly the dynamic shifted where they were like, wait a minute, are you actually working these hours? The trust would be gone. And I'd be like, this relationship either needs to get dramatically repaired or we should not be working together, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but it's interesting. I'm coming around on this idea. It's just like high trust environment or nothing, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Right. High trust environments like are the fun ones, you know? Yeah. And like, there are companies I think that we work with where it's like, okay, well, this is like a process-heavy environment, but it's a process-heavy environment because we're going from no process to some process, Yeah. right? And so, like, we're going to go through the high process zone. And then the goal is that, like, that establishes trust and then, like, it becomes a higher trust environment, right? Mm -hmm. And, like, that's what they're paying us to do, basically, (laughs) is, like, get them into, like a higher higher trust environment where like everyone can kind of rely on each other. And that means that we have to go through this phase of like really explicit, like grooming and ticket writing and all this other stuff so that we can like establish those patterns. Because like, I think a big part of the reason that high trust environments work well is that people have experience with those things. And therefore you can just kind of like nod at them rather than doing the whole thing. Right. Yeah. But if you don't have experience with those things, then there's nothing to even nod at. Right. Yeah. And so like there's cases where it's like, yeah, we need to actually go through this and like do the whole song and dance so that like, I don't know, you have to like learn the rules so you can break them or whatever. You know, like if you don't if you don't know what the what the requirements docs are that you're not writing, then yeah. you can't use your intuition to know what would have been in them. <laughs> Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. This has just made me think about a. I had a conversation with my friend Dom, who I used to work with, and he was he was a really good software engineer at Benty, and he was Dom like, Irera. Nope, that's not the one. Um, <clears throat> he was talking about there was that news story about there were like 
whatever those like fiber optic cables that run through the ocean are. Oh yeah, yeah. And like I think like Putin like cut one of them or something. Uh, someone did. Someone cut one of them, and Dom. Putin's down there in a little dive mask. I was chatting with him, and yeah, Putin by himself. He he <laughs> judo through the. <laughs> He's got like bolt cutters and an oxygen tank. <laughs> no, he just arm barred it. <laughs> uh, but Dom was like, he's like, I'm sort of astonished thinking this morning about how many things in the world work because of like implicit trust. Like, mm-hmm. like the internet works because implicitly we're just assuming like no one's going to be snapping the fiber optic cables. It's like someone could snap the fiber optic cables, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I was like, it's really true. It's kind of funny. Like, in some ways, it makes me feel more positively about people. Like, think of all the yeah. things that are not being cut right now, you know? Yeah, think of all the fiber optic. Well, there's like seven fiber optic cables that no one's cutting. It's really dope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. High trust, well, low trust. It's, a, trust, low it's trust. a framework for thinking that has been fruitful over here lately. Try thinking yeah. about it in your organization. Yeah. I mean, but seriously, like, we do, we talk to people who want to hire us. And some of them are just like, we need help. We like trust you guys. We would, we, we wanted to go like, we want to go do this together. And we're like, cool. And other people, people, other people do come in kind of instantly suspicious. And we're like, brother, if you're suspicious of us, you should go ahead and not pay us our fee. Yeah. Go find someone you don't suspect <laughs> and hire them. And if there is no such person, I don't know. Go find a therapist. Um, The, yeah, I really like the concept. Also, like, this is something that, like, we haven't, like, spoken before. But, like, one of the things I love about the podcast as a sales funnel is that it primes us for high trust leads. Sure. Right. Like the people who come in already have some experience with us and our personalities and the way we think about things and like the way that we approach projects. And so like yeah. when someone hits us up who has listened to the podcast at all, um, they're more likely to be a high trust uh, individual because like they're coming in with like some experience with us and they like made a decision about us based on something they heard that they liked right um as opposed to like rfps or whatever like i i'll never do an rfp you can try and convince me that maybe there one day there will be a dark day where we have to do rfps but i've never done one so far and i don't think i I ever will i could request uh that you do an rfp i can do you could could rf rfp me um (laughs) but like rfps prime you for low trust right because it's basically like yes i don't know let's just like scatter shot this thing and see who says the smallest number it's like man let me tell you i just uh left a company that fills out a lot of rfps yeah uh it's it's something so yeah Um, i really like qualified leads and you know you the listener obviously as we've said are in the sales funnel right very much in the sales funnel the other thing i mean that people who listen to the show will know that uh also just like is the other thing that gives me a ton of confidence moving forward is that literally everyone we've worked with, I would feel comfortable sending as a referral, even the one that we had something like uncomfortable happen where like we got overextended and 
it was like tough and we had to have hard conversations with them. Even him, I would send it happily as a referral and just be like, literally everyone we've worked with will tell you that like, we're great. So yeah. like, I feel, I feel very confident about like, if someone doesn't trust us, I'm like, it's, it's we're, we're chilling. Yeah. Yeah. No, we're luckily, we're lucky to be swimming in qualified leads right now, which is yeah. a, it's a good, these are good waters to swim in. And like, you know, so much of this comes from like building up trust over years and like having a, having context in the community where like, you know, we invest Well, we, uh, for a long time, it was just me investing in the community, but like, and now like as a, com- as a company, we're like investing in the community and our relationships in the community and like developing trust so that like we're primed for these high trust leads that turn into high trust clients that turn into high trust projects that turn into low stress lifestyles. Yeah. So I agree. Good Good stuff, John. Cool. Um, Can't put this one out because I said the name of a client that I don't know if I can mention. Yeah. Uh, How do you, you got to figure out how to edit that. But well, first I'm going to message someone and see if I'm allowed to say the name because that will save me a lot of time (laughs) if I am. Okay. All right, cool. Peace. All right.